All right, the doctor is in the house. Hey, everybody. going to try and help you as much as we can ladies and gentlemen as we have for the past six years now doing episode 477 god bless everybody welcome to the program today uh, we are going to continue uh keeping you informed with uh, on medical topics with short bits of information and uh look i've been telling you you have to be the ceo of your own body you have to have an attitude of gratitude you have to take care of yourself and, uh, you know, have you, have you been to the physician's office? And, you know, I know most people have insurance, so you're not really uh, attuned to, to what the prices are because you don't pay much except a copay. But, you know, you look at the one column, and it looks like and they, they bill the insurance company $80,000 for a couple of days in the hospital, and they get paid, you know, $18,000. Uh, it's just it's just incredible uh, sums of money and um what's what's happened like i've been telling you <clears throat> is that the big companies are buying up medical care and they're these these private equity companies are not buying hospitals where they have to be transparent and whatever they're buying up uh, physicians practices uh, x-ray centers physical therapy centers things that uh, are not under the public spotlight. <clears throat> and healthcare is really changing, you know, and it, it's hard for the new physicians to serve two masters, one, the uh, private equity company, and then two, their, their patients. And this, these private equity business models uh, buy these uh, heavily financed with debt. So they have to, uh, you know, they have a a, a a program that they want to get out in the three to five years, and they want to make 20 to 30% on their money. So they don't have a long-term outlook. You know, they don't want your doctor in the hospital. They want you to, they want to make sure the hospitals take care of that. They want to, they, they actually control your doctor because 84% of doctors are now employed. But you know, there are healthcare providers can spell the difference between life and death. And you know, the, when you when you put money over patient safety, there are shocking lapses of safety in 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 this in this complex, this medical industrial complex. Quote, the conflict between providers' obligations to provide the best care and private equity investors' insatiable appetite for maximized returns prov provides is clear. Quote, you can't serve two masters. Okay, so it's really important. And, you know, sometimes you go in for a, a sore throat and you end up with a CAT scan, an MRI, a PET scan, all kinds of blood work because they have to keep that 
medical industrial complex going. They have to show that they can show, show a profit. It's not not fair. I mean, uh, it's sad for the new new physicians. So a lot of people think that these private equity acquisitions have uh, caused damage to American healthcare from cradle to grave, simply for profit. But everybody is saying we better have some oversight. Okay, so that's up to our politicians. And then Hillsdale College had a conference during a... uh, and it was called Constructive Alternatives to Big Pharma. And basically, the same thing was was put forth there. You know, that most of the research is sponsored by Big Pharma. Big Pharma can even ghostwrite the paper and have physicians sign off on it. They They have... Ownership of all the raw statistics. And even though he, that your doctor may have read, say, say statins, the most widely prescribed drug, he may have read all the articles. He may have looked at the numbers in the journal, but he had no, he has no idea what, what, how they arrived at them. And it isn't, they, they don't always put out they spin it to make it make it look like the drugs really work better than they do. So how do you gauge how healthy our country is? I've told you. And it's and again it came up at this Hillsdale College. Look at life expectancy. If you look at the average life expectancy in the United States with average life expectancy of 11 other wealthy countries from 1980 to 2021, you find that in 1980, the United States was about equal with those other countries. But as the years have progressed, life expectancy in the good old United States has fallen further and further behind. Until 2014, our life expectancy was going up. Well, we are losing ground to the populations of other advanced countries. 2019, prior to the Chinese virus, life expectancy in the United States had fallen relative to the other countries so much that 500,000 Americans are dying each year in excess of the death rates of citizens of other countries. And they excluded poverty as a factor. Think about that. We spend the most, we get the worst. We have the worst outcomes of other de- than of the other developed countries in areas such as infant and maternal mortality, colon cancer, childhood acute lymphocytic leukemia, and acute myocardial infarction. You combine this with the fact that in the United States, we're paying an enormous excess over those other countries. We spend an average of $12,914 a person on healthcare. Other countries, $6,125. That comes to 300, when you multiply that by 334 million Americans, that's an excess of 2.3 T with a trillion dollars a year on healthcare and getting poor results. 
So does that give you some idea? Maybe our healthcare system is broken and needs fixing. The, the medical industrial complex, big pharma has taken control over what doctors and the public accept as medical knowledge. Remember Fauci, I am science. He is not science. Science has never settled and science does not reside with one person. But it evolves over time and it's continually challenged. So it it comes down in one big area over what I just mentioned, who's sponsoring and controlling the medical research. In 1991, 80% of pharmaceutical research was taking place in university medical centers. It was conducted, analyzed, and published by independent researchers. By 2004, only 26% of pharmaceutical industry research was taking place in universities. The other 74% was being done by for-profit research companies. They may hire medical centers to provide research help, but overall control of the research has moved from academic centers to the pharmaceutical industry. Even the New England Journal noted that 80% of clinical trial agreements allow drug companies to own the data produced by the research. And I can go on and on. But you get the idea why you have to be more concerned with taking control of your own health. And it goes back to Mark Twain, huh? The truth has no defense against a fool determined to believe a lie. And that's why they, they want to gaslight everybody. They want us all to believe what they tell us. Okay, men. You know, coffee has been demonized. But who doesn't like a hot cup of java? It, I've, I've told you before, it's, it's good for your heart, it's good for your brain, and it even helps to burn fat. Now there might be a new benefit for the gentleman out there. Might be a new benefit. According to the American Cancer Society, one in eight men will be diagnosed with prostate cancer in their lifetime. One in 41 will die from it. Too many. I agree. But research is finding that drinking coffee every day can help you fend off that diagnosis and improve your chances of survival if you are diagnosed. The Java has some protecting powers. Cancer-fighting elements. Cafestol is one. Kawiol acetate is two. They're classified as hydrocarbons that have anti-inflammatory properties and anti-angiogenic anti-angiogenic bioactive compounds, which lab studies have found can prevent tumors from growing. It stops new blood vessels from getting into the tumor. It stops these tumors from growing their own blood vessels, thus slowing the growth of the cancer. A recent study examined 16 
studies on coffee and prostate cancer. It compared men who consumed zero cups of coffee against guys who had one per day. Guess what? It found that simply adding one cup of coffee each day yielded a 1% decrease in the risk of prostate cancer over time. But as more coffee were added, two to nine, that's when the risk of the prostate cancer started to really plummet. 9% reduced overall risk of prostate cancer, 7% decrease in localized prostate cancer, 12% decrease in advanced prostate cancer, 16% decrease in fatal prostate cancer in men. And, and luckily for you people out there, drinking decaffeinated coffee had the same prostate protection as the regular stuff, the natural stuff. And if you're sensitive to caffeine, that is a great caveat. And that's really important because if you don't want to drink caffeinated coffee all day, just remember decaf has that same protective properties. If you need this study, drop me a line at docronradio at gmail.com. Docronradio at gmail.com. Okay. That's one thing I wanted to talk to you about. And I'm not going to talk to you about it today, but I have talked to you in the past about low-sodium diets are not really good, even with heart failure. We'll talk about drinking water and why how important that is. Um, I did come across an interesting uh, piece of information. Pfizer spent close to $3 billion in advertising in 2022. Remember, we say they want to control everything, huh? They want to control everything. $3 billion. I'm not kidding. Okay, a few things about fish. Everybody wants to have their fish. They're, they're demonizing meat. Here's the, here's the uh, headline from the Environmental Working Group. Freshwater fish contain staggering amount of toxic PFAS chemicals. The scientists at EWG found the consumption of just a single serving of freshwater fish per year could be equal to a, a month of drinking water laced with that forever chemical PFOS. Want me to say it? Okay. Per fluoro octane sulfonic acid. They calculated, these researchers, that eating one fish in a year equated to ingesting water with these forever chemicals at 48 parts per trillion for one month. That's not the only thing in, in fish. These forever chemicals. EWG.org. You know, that, that PFOS was formerly an ingredient in 3M Scotchgard. So you're going to Scotchgard your insides. So you, if you eat a lot of freshwater fish, you're going to have a lot of this stuff, substance in your blood serum. And, uh, you know, we know it's not good. 
and nobody's talking about it. And this wasn't a small study by the Environmental Working Group. They, they analyzed more than 500 samples, 500 samples. So, uh, Jesus, it just gets me upset to talk about this stuff. And there are health risks, right? These forever chemicals are the most persistent compounds in existence. They contaminate even drinking water, food, food packaging, and personal care products. They build up in our bodies. Guess what? They never break down by themselves. They're even finding them now in the blood of newborn babies. And these very low doses of PFAS chemicals have been linked to the suppression of our immune systems, increased risk of certain cancers, increased cholesterol, reproductive and developmental problems and other harms. Remember we talked in the past about endocrine disrupting chemicals. Freshwater fish. From the Daily Mail, fish are testing positive for antidepressants, prostate medications, antibiotics, and pain relievers. Fish off the coast of Florida are testing positive for that. A slew of pharmaceutical products. Why? Because human wastewater made its way out into the sea. Researchers at Florida International University and the Bonefish and Tarpon Trust, based out of Miami, they studied two types of fish in Biscayne Bay and the Florida Keys. They collected samples from bonefish and tarpon and had an average amount of seven drugs in their systems, including antidepressants, blood pressure medications, prostate treatment medications, antibiotics, and pain relievers. They even found it in crabs and shrimp. I think that's a little bit alarming, but are you reading about this? These pharmaceuticals are a threat, an invisible threat. They're just like these algae booms we're having down in the west coast of Florida. And they're a threat to our fisheries. But are we seeing this? I want you to be aware of it. I want you to be aware that just because you're having a freshwater fish doesn't necessarily mean you're eating healthy. That just reminds us that there's over 5 billion prescriptions filled each year in the United States. How healthy are we? 5 billion prescriptions. And yet, no, most people have no idea of the environmental hazard for disposal of these pharmaceuticals. Even the ones that come out of one's urine, they can wind up in freshwater bodies like lakes and rivers. Oh, I really have so much good news for you. Farm fish eat microplastics. And guess what? So do the people who eat the fish eat the microplastics. Can't be good for you, right? I told you last year, microplastics are finding, they're finding their way from the mass into people's lungs. Now, 
through the fish that are getting into our systems. Mm. Now these farm fish are fed with fish meal. That's their main ingredient. This fish feed itself is made from a variety of ingredients in addition to fish meal, often including vegetables, uh, vegetable meals, oil, supplemental vitamins and minerals, and a substance, flower-like substance made from dried and milled wild fish and by fish products. But there's a high level, according to experts, of microplastics in these products. And that's a big concern. And they're saying it isn't even possible to make plastic-free fish meal or fish feed. A marine biologist actually said that. And this was based on a study out of aquaculture. So plastics are all over, like uh, Dustin Hoffman, huh? The ubiquity of plastics, ladies and gentlemen, basically guarantees that they will find their way into any fish product, including the feed given to farm fish. Again, I could go on uh, and on, but you know, nobody's going to listen. I know it. I've talked about farm fish. I, I won't even have it on, on my plate. Salmon farming is a disaster, both for the environment and for human health. And farmed salmon is about five times more toxic than any other food tested. If you study animal feeding, Studies found that mice fed farm salmon developed obesity and diabetes. The farm fish also are fed pesticides and antibiotics, toxic stuff. And then also these dried pellet feed, which contain dioxins, PCBs, and other toxic pollutants. PCB concentrations in farm salmon are on an average eight times higher than in wild salmon. And of course, the farm salmon is not going to have the nutritional profile of wild salmon. It has a messed up ratio of the omega-3-6 fatty acids. So it's not a green solution, ladies and gentlemen. Not a good, good, good solution. Five more times toxic than other food. Isn't that pretty? Grab my eye. It comes back to the pellets in the feed, the, the, the fish feed. And, it's, you know, I'm not going to get into all of it for you today because we're just going to have little bites here and there. So you know what's going on. And if you want more uh, studies and you want back me to back this up, just drop me an email at docronradio at gmail.com. But it's not really good for our health. Not at all. So we have uh, 
private equity firms, big pharma taking over our medical profession, our great medical profession. We have doctors being employed, doctors not being very happy. So what do we do? Well, we have to take control of ourselves. We have to lead a healthy lifestyle. I've been telling you that, you know, your genes don't are, don't determine how healthy you're going to be. You want to decrease your biological age by three years and two months? Well, in two short months, you can do it. Because I've been telling you that external factors can trigger early aging and disease. But lucky for us, another study found that diet and lifestyle behaviors can balance this process that is slow aging and add valuable years to your life. And guess what? None of these behaviors require you to go on a crash diet. Go to the gym three times a day. Have any surgery or have any expensive anti-aging injections. It's as simple as eating more green vegetables, drinking green tea, sleeping at least seven hours a night, and getting 30 minutes of physical activity each day. The real fountain of youth, you own it. You own it, ladies and gentlemen, lifestyle changes. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dr. Ron, host of Dr. Ron Unfiltered, Uncensored, with your tips for the week. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, I'm here on Podbean, along with my good friend, uh, Dr. William Wong, who made an interesting observation this week I should pass on. He, they, someone asked him why he does not recommend multiple vitamins. And his short answer is that they have to have too many ingredients None of the ingredients can be of sufficient strength to do any good. And he goes by an old German adage that if there's more than five ingredients in a vitamin, it's worthless because, again, you cannot get the doses you need to be effective. So we're here on Podbean. I'm on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, and the name of the podcast is Dr. Ron Unfiltered Uncensored. So have a great rest of the day and we'll see you next week. Hey everybody, Dr. Ron's finished for the day. I hope you got some good wisdom for what the man had to say. And it's all about good health. He's the man you got to see. He has a lot more answers for you. So tune in next week when the doctor is in the house. Or when the doctor is in let the doctor know what's bothering you when the doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. Let the doctor know what's bothering you. I'm sure he can tell you just what to do. The doctor is in the house. The doctor is in
let the doctor know what's bothering you when the doctor is in the house. So if you have a pain, call the doctor. If you have a strain, call the doctor. Let the doctor know what's bothering you when the doctor is in the house. The doctor is in the house. See you next week.